Now, back to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt. Friends, welcome back. Great to be with you. My name is Jeff Hunt. I'm the chief wagon boss of this operation. On our show is Teresa Sidebotham, who assists organizations in the U.S. and internationally with a special focus on employment law, religious and nonprofit law, and child safety. She advises on numerous misconduct investigations. She is also the founder of Telios Law, based in Monument, Colorado. So uh, this issue has now popped up. And again, I, I want to start with, a, uh, with a, a warning here. The content discussed on this week's show deals with sensitive issues of child sexual abuse online. We strongly encourage listener discretion. All right, so we're talking about the rise of child pornography being generated by artificial intelligence. There's an article recently in Fox News about this titled, Artificial Intelligence Could Help Normalize Child Sexual Abuse as Graphic Images Erupt Online, says experts. One thing that stood out to me, Teresa, in this article that was just kind of heartbreaking, there was a research done out of the uh, UK about the, the use and generation of these images. The agency that did this research on AI-generated child pornography estimates there are up to 830,000 adults or 1.6% of the adult population in the UK that pose some type of sexual danger against children. The estimated figure is 10 times greater than the entire UK prison population. Wow. What is happening? Well, it's an epidemic and it spreads. So, you know, people get drawn into it sometimes through the route of you know regular porn and then they start looking at worse and worse things i mean all porn is exploitive but child sex abuse material is just to to a different level of evil and i think it is getting normalized in the sense that it's it's not being stopped Um, and when i work with ministries and you know i talk to them about child sex abuse Sometimes I have to explain, you know, if you have someone who's used child porn, that is a form of child sex abuse. Mm-hmm. You need to have zero tolerance for that, as well as other forms of child sex abuse. I, I, I want to go back to the thing that you just said there, that the notion that pornography is always exploitative. Ex- exploitative. <laughs> I'll get that word right at some point. But uh, the I, I feel like our culture, with the rise of things like OnlyFans um, and, and this kind of feminist connection of uh, this is my body, I'm doing what I want with my body, uh, th- this is uh, empowering for me, I'm making money on my own terms as a result of it. Um, you're a, a Bible-believing woman, you're an intelligent woman, you're an attorney, uh, you have built a career. Uh, what is your What is your comment back to that side of the culture that says, no, 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 this is what I want to do. This is not exploit- exploitative. Well, for one thing, I don't really buy it. I, I mean, I do understand women make money that way because they need money, but the vast majority of women who are in any type of sex trade are there because they don't feel like they've got great options. Mm. And if you talk to women who've been in that past, there's no way that there's not 
a, a deep shame and sense of being used and you know, bitterness and anger towards the men who are doing it. And, you know, people who, who work with women in those trades can testify to that. But even if they thought it was great, let's talk a minute about, usually, the men. Or no, not always, because women use porn, too. Um, but what business does a man made in the image of God have visually using women or children also made in the image of God. You know, no human being is honoring God's image in another human by using their images sexually that way. And so, yeah, I think it's exploitive. There's a, a great book out right now by a guy named Carl Truman titled A Strange New World, where he's trying to figure out the massive generational shift that's taken place where you would say things like, let's say to your grandparents, someone was born and alive in the 40s or 50s, like, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. That would make no sense to them, right? They, they had no, no ability to reconcile what that even meant. Or, you know, I live my most free when I'm in touch with my sexual identity. Um, the rise and the elevation of sexuality, This uh, he gets into... Um, the, the philosophers that have brought this forth to where it, our society is now obsessed with it. And we're now utilizing computer technology to generate images that don't exist in real life. The, the legal, the kind of law, the policies upon, uh, that, that are uh, going to be affected by that. One thing during our previous segment that you brought up that I want to ask you about is what is the justification in American law for outlawing drawings as it relates to child pornography? Um, if there's no victim there, if there's no person that's harmed, if there's no actual uh, human being, but there's drawings related to child pornography, what is the rationale in law for banning that? You know, that's a great question, Jeff, and I have not looked up the legislative history on that statute, but I would surmise that it's because even the drawings feed into these vicious cycles of training the brain to be attracted mm. to that and then you know, grooming children, abusing children, creating damaged children who then may go on to abuse others. I mean, all of this stuff plays into this vicious evil cycle that, that destroys people. And, you know, child sex abusers don't usually abuse one child. Right. It's, it's often dozens, it can be hundreds. And so at any point that we can interrupt the cycle, so think about Child sex abuse material is a deadly virus introduced into the brain that twists it. You know, that's not a good thing. Well, what, are, what do you think the, the response is? What, what do organizations need to do? What do lawmakers need to do? What do prosecutors need to do to be able to take on this problem, uh, this growing problem of AI-generated child pornography? Well, we have a little bit of a model with the National Police Chiefs Council in the UK. You know, they have a child safeguarding approach where they're they're going after some of the AI. They've been, you know, trying to figure out where it is. So in terms of where it is, a lot of it's on a site that's hosted out of Japan, Pixiv. 
And in response, they are starting to put more emphasis on addressing the issue. A lot of it is on a site in the U.S. called Patreon, which is a reputable and respected site. Um, So people can put pressure on sites like that. And if we look at something like Twitter, I, I read an article where a young man said that someone had taken material, video of him uh, against his will as a minor and posted it. And, you know, there been total child sex abuse material, not even AI generated. He couldn't get Twitter to take it down wow. until he finally got the FBI involved. Well, we all know Twitter's been pretty busy about taking down a lot of stuff, but <laughs> but they can't take down actual videos of actual minors that's pornographic. So pressuring, boycotting, you know, drawing it to lawmakers' attention, asking prosecutors to work on it. There's a, a great nonprofit I want to flag for parents called Thorn.org. The, it's at Thorn.org. It's called Thorn. They not only work on this AI-generated material, but all kinds of uh, child sexual abuse using technology. So their 2022 report says they found over 800 CSAM material files. They identified almost 1,900 victims of child sexual abuse. They had 55,000 conversations with young people about preventing online sexual abuse, and over 5,000 parents signed up for their conversation tips. So rush to thorn.org as a parent and get signed up, right? That's really a, a valuable nonprofit. Um, so, so, and then holding AI accountable in these conversations uh, stable diffusion, for instance, is is a really bad offender with us right now. Mm. Um, some of the open AI are apparently, you know, working harder to um, to try to have controls and filters. And then the questions that need to be asked, you know, by the tech people, not by me, are uh, what filters do you have in place? How easy are they to disable? Because apparently some of them are fairly easy to disable. Um, OpenAI is apparently working to put some protections in place. So uh, if that's true, kudos to them. There's a lot of different discussions, a lot of different angles to take this from. We're talking with Teresa Seidbotham, who assists organizations in the U.S. and internationally with a special focus on employment law, religious and nonprofit law, and child safety. She advises on numerous misconduct investigations, and she's also the founder of Telios Law, based down in Monument, Colorado. Uh, when we come back, Teresa, I want to dive into um, your work with ministry organizations, kind of how you've advised them to protect their children that they're ministering to. We've all heard the horror stories. Um, We all know what's happened out there, and that's not what we want to see, especially, especially coming from the bride of Christ, right? Um, They've got to be held to a higher standard, and, um, and they're ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is an important issue. The technology is driving it. And policies have got to adjust and change as a result of it. So we'll cover this when we come back. Friends, you're listening to the Frontier Freedom Hour, sponsored by the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. 